Yeah, let's pray. God, thank you that you have got this rich word for us today. And God, we just say now, we choose to eat it. We choose to partake in this feast that you've set before us. And I pray, God, that you would take the words that I've prepared and I pray that you would make them your own. And I pray that all of them, all of these individual words would make up something that is so good for us today. And I pray that each of us would receive it, the things that you want us to have, the things you want to grow us in, the things you want to shape us in. We choose to receive what you have for us this morning. So we give the rest of this time to you. And we're ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, uh, I started a two-part series on honor. Um, If you didn't hear last week's, I encourage you to catch it up because I believe what God's saying to us is really good. And uh, I finished last week with a sound from heaven that I believe God speaks and sings and rejoices over us. And I just wanted to start off by reminding us of that sound. This is heaven's opinion of you right now. This is it. And we've finished. (laughs) We could have, couldn't we? Isn't it amazing when we get encouraged and built up? You just feel like, yeah, actually, yeah, that's right. That's who I am. Okay, so Anna, part two. We're going to get straight into Genesis 38. And this is the story of Judah and Tamar. A little bit unusual to be teaching from the context of honor, but I have a plan of where I'm going with this, so bear with me. Okay. Genesis 38. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man named Adullaham, named Hera. There, Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. And he married her, and he lay with her, and she became pregnant. And she gave birth to a son whose name was Ur. (laughs) I'm sure, well, well, yeah, true. (laughs) She conceived again and gave birth to another son named Onan. She gave birth to still another son named Shelah. And it was at Kibiz that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn son, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Aren't you glad that you're born after Jesus came? (laughs) (laughs) Then Judah said to Onan, lie with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty as a brother-in-law to produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death. (laughs) I have got a plan of where I'm going with this. (laughs) Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, live as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he might die too, just like his brother's. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah, to the men who were shearing his sheep, and his friend Hira, the Adullamite, went with him. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear the sheep, she took off her widow's clothes and she covered herself with a veil to disguise herself and then she sat down at the entrance to Enium, which is on the road to Timnah. For 
she saw that though Shelah had now grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. She'd waited a long time for him, and he hadn't been given as he was promised. When Judah saw her, he thought that she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the side of the road and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you, she asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it, she asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and your cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil and she put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the, the young goat by his friend, a Dolomite, in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, where is the shrine prostitute who was beside the road at Enneum? There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, let her keep what she has or we will become a laughing stock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but you didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law, Tamar, is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. Again, we're post-Jesus. We're okay. As she was being brought out, she sent message to her father-in-law, I am pregnant by the man who owns these. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I would not give my son Shelah. And he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And she was giving birth. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, this one came out first. But when he drew his hand back in, his brother came out and she said, so this is how you have broken out. And his name was Perez. Then his brother who had the scarlet wrist, the scarlet thread on his wrist came out and his name was Zerah. A little bit heavy for a Sunday morning. But do you remember last week, for those of you who were here, that I put on some funny glasses. And the whole point of wearing those was to get heaven's perspective on people instead of our own perspective on people. So as I've been studying this passage, I've tried to put on heaven's perspective, perspective and I've tried to look at these people through God's eyes and not just through my own eyes. And do you know what I have seen? I've seen people who get it wrong. Everyday people getting things wrong. And I can relate to that. These people in this passage are relatable. Now I can't teach you this morning or explain this passage from translating what culturally in that time it was like. Because obviously their custom and their value system is very different to us today. And there's lots of this passage which are maybe a little bit offensive to us and we can't get on the same level as because what it says in there is very different to the society and the cultures and the customs that we live in today and the family values that we have today. 
So I'm not going to teach those today. <laughs> but I want us to just focus on Judah and Tamar as people. So Judah, he was having a tough time. He'd lost his wife. He'd been through a period of grief. I imagine he would be feeling like he was a failure as a father. His sons weren't just bad. They were so bad that God put them to death. I don't imagine he was feeling confident in his parenting skills. <laughs> and then there's Tamar, this lady who has been married to somebody, and maybe she was always carrying the dream of being a mother, and her husband dies. And she's still carrying the promise, and she gets offered her husband's brother, and she doesn't get pregnant by him, and then he dies. And she's waiting and waiting and waiting, and she's living, knowing that she's meant to be a mother, knowing that she's carrying something that's actually bigger than who she is, and she doesn't have any means to do it. So she intentionally is deceitful to make something happen. I'm not here today to say that's right or that's wrong. I'm here to say, actually, she's a real person. And she's going through some hard things. She's an everyday person getting it wrong. But do you know what I love about these two? I feel like they're my new friends because I've read this passage so often. I love the humility of Judah in verse 26. Because he acknowledges some of the things that we put on this cross last week. Do you remember? We put our pride on the cross. And we put my agenda on the cross and we put our justification on the cross because there's lots of things that we think we're right about like Judah did I'm not giving her another son I've already lost two maybe it's her fault I'm not giving her another one he decided that what he thought was better but actually he acknowledges this and this is the beautiful redemption part of this passage because it says in verse 26 actually she Tamar is more righteous than I am because she's committed to the purpose. And she's actually doing something which is right above and beyond the now, but she's making something happen for the long term. And I love that Tamar was committed to the long term. She wasn't prepared to get left out of the promise of God over her life because her circumstances weren't measuring up with that. She did something about it. Again, I'm not saying what she did was right, but she did something about it, even though it must have cost her on many levels. I imagine her father wasn't proud of her. I imagine she probably went through a lot of friendship transitions because it wasn't honorable, or it doesn't look honorable what she did. But I love the Bible. And I believe that even the way that it was put together, 144 men got together and, and put this Bible together from lots of different books. And I believe everything's got purpose because this, this story in Genesis 38 is actually sandwiched in the story of Joseph. Who likes the story of Joseph? Yeah, it's a good story. I, I think of it as like a bit of a Cinderella story, rags to riches the low to the high. 
Because he literally went from the pit to the prison to the palace. He knew what his dream was, but he couldn't get there. And every opportunity, it looked, well, actually, I'm getting further away from my promise. I'm in a pit. And then he's in a prison. It doesn't look like he's going to get the fulfillment of the promise of the dreams that God's given him. But he gets there, doesn't he? And that's why we love it. We love the happy ending. We love when the promise comes. But the bit in the middle is so hard sometimes. So hard to keep going. But sandwiched in this story of Joseph is this little bit of Judah and Tamar to just say, hey, we know it's hard. We understand. We are here to bring a little bit of hope to you. In the midst of this amazing story of Joseph is this story. And if we take it a little bit wider than that, the purpose of this story is actually much bigger. Because if we fast forward to Matthew 1 verse 3, and we're looking at the genealogy and the bloodline of Jesus Christ, guess who features in it? Tamar and Judah, who were the parents of Perez who are part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Because what they chose, the circumstances that happened to them, actually had a phenomenal result because they are part of the inheritance of Jesus Christ. They were in his bloodline. And do you know when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get his DNA They've actually changed the course of history. Isn't that amazing that God can take our mess and our failure and the things that we get wrong and actually they can make a path for Jesus to come? Not just for us, but for other people. They changed the course of history. Not because they did something right, but because they journeyed through something wrong. I love that. It gives me hope. I get things wrong. It gives me hope that Jesus can still use me for the much bigger picture than just my life. Let's break this down because it's not always easy to relate to Old Testament things. So let's make it a bit more relatable to us. So we're going to break it down so there's some things here that we can use in our church, which I'm not going to take from Genesis 38. <laughs> So let's move on before any jokes come that are inappropriate to um, (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. I love this. This is uh, kind of what um, uh, Nicola Barnsley said when she brought the word at the start of the message. I think you love the way God speaks. So clear. Okay. One body, many parts. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, 
every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while the presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to those parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part of it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a little pain in the top knuckle of my little finger. It's like the tiniest part of my body. But you know, it woke me up in the night. I couldn't sleep. The tiniest little part, there was something not right with it, and it affected my sleep, which then affected my whole body. And that is just like us in the church. If one of us is hurting or going through a hard time, we all hurt. If someone's child is ill, we all hurt. We all pull together. We are one body, many parts. I'm going to invite Alan up to do an illustration, please. My my children were playing with the glasses before the service and they've gone. (coughs) (laughs) You look great, Alan. Do you know, just on a serious note, isn't Alan a blessing to our our community? And I love that he's happy to wear something silly. (laughs) That he's willing. (laughs) Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, during one of Alan's messages on power and authority, he got up and he said something really powerful. He said that this church, the Church of Jesus Christ, is not an organization. It is a family. Thanks, Mark. We are, aren't we? We're a family, which means we are in this together. So the point of the illustration was not the hat, but it's brought joy, so that's okay. Uh, But instead was to put the glasses on. So if Alan is looking out and he's asking God, I don't want to see things the way you do. I want to see with your perspective. I want to see things with heaven's gaze because I want to do what you want me to do. I want to see your kingdom come. So Alan puts on his glasses, which we don't have, that's okay. Um, And he says, hey, I've got a vision, and I want to do something. Oh, thank you. I've got a vision. See, family helping each other. (laughs) 
I'm not, I'm not getting paid enough for this. <laughs> okay, so Alan's got a vision, and he says, I've heard from heaven. I can see something, and I want to help make it happen. And as a family, because we are one body with many parts, we all get an opportunity to do something about this. We all get the opportunity to bring our gifts. So Daniel will say, hey, do you know what? I'm good with kids. I can come and get around your vision. And Nikki says, hey, do you know what? I've got loads of money. I'm going to come and give it to you because I believe that you've seen something that I want to partner with. And I want to get involved with what you're doing because I recognize that you've got something and you can see something of heaven that I don't see. And I don't have the vision for it, but I believe in you. And then some other people come up. Eretti at the back has got a beautiful gift of encouraging words. So she says, I'm going to bring my words up to you, Alan, and I'm going to support you, and I'm going to champion you, and I'm going to help get this out of you. And then Susan says, do you know what? I can make coffee. I can make a cup of coffee for someone. I can come and help. And then supportive husband Nigel says, do you know what? I can wash up the cups after everyone's done. (laughs) And I can come and get, get around this vision. Would you come? And then Shola says, do you know what? I've warfared in the spirit, and I know I hold keys to the kingdom, and I want to come and lend my strength. It's okay. And I'm going to bring this to you because I want to partner with the vision that you can see, and I want to get the things of heaven to earth, and I want to see his kingdom come, so I'm going to bring this to partner with you. And then Sheila says, I don't know what I can bring but I know I can pray for you, and I will commit to pray for you every day. So she comes and she lends her strength here. And before we know it, we have got 1 Corinthians 12, actually, not just in the word, but just like Pat said, this is living and active. This is powerful. This is his kingdom come from heaven down to earth through the eyes of Alan out into the world. This is what it looks like. His kingdom come looks like one body with many parts. Is Alan more important than everyone else? No. (laughs) That's not the point. Every single person in this picture, in the body of Christ, matters. You matter. Turn to the person next to you and say, I matter. I matter. Because the reality is, is if there was an eyelash missing, or a toenail not working, or a little finger not okay, it affects everybody else. We need this. We need the whole picture of all of the parts working together to make up the body. It is good. Thank you. Let's give a hand to these people who've stood up here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Brian Houston recently put this um, quote up on social media, and I love it because it perfectly illustrates this. What I am part of is bigger than the part I play. What you play is very, very, very important. You have to play it because unless you play it, the whole picture doesn't work. Just like Judah and Tamar, they had no idea that they were going to actually be part of the Messiah's heritage and his bloodline. But they had to play their part. We need to bring our gifts so that we can play our part. So, last week I told you a story about um, mine and Dan's relationship. So I thought I'd tell you another one this week. (laughs) To give him a break, because actually this is my fault. So, when I was... um, single, I was preparing to be a wife, and I thought, God, I am ready. I am amazing. (laughs) So I started studying the Proverbs 31 woman. I pretty much memorized it. I'm like, I am going to be her. I am going to be the biggest blessing to this guy's life. He is just going to want to (laughs) just, he's going to want to be with me all the time. He's going to treat me really well, because I am going to be the biggest blessing to his life. So I thought I'd made it, like, God, I'm ready. So anyway, Dan and I meet, and I'm looking at God going, really? Is this really the guy that you've got for me? How arrogant, I'm so embarrassed to say this. And I start going through all these things, like, I don't think he's strong enough for me. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be able to lead me, you know? And God's saying, this is the right guy for you, God of the whole universe. And I'm trying to argue with him. How ridiculous. And you know, I had a lot of pride, and I didn't realize it was pride because I thought, I'm right. I've done all the right things. I'm studying the Bible, and I'm getting around people I know who are great wives, and I'm trying to learn from them, and I'm putting myself under them. And actually, I had a lot of pride in that because we know, don't we, it's not about being right. It's about being faithful. And God... I don't know if he's done this with you, but sometimes if he wants to get my attention, he like comes down, I feel like he looks me in the eye. And he said, Rachel. I said, yes. Actually, I said, yes. I thought I was right. (laughs) And he said something to me that I don't just believe was for me, I believe it's for all of us. He said, Rachel, do not underestimate your role in helping him to become all that I have created him to be. And that is for all of us. Because we are one body in many parts. And we get the privilege of helping other people to play their part well. Because God's got a plan for all of us. And what a beautiful way to honor each other and love each other and value each other than to say, do you know what? I can see something in you. And I believe I've got a part to play in you becoming all that God's got for you to be, and I want to help you. So I married him. (laughs) No, God totally brought me down a peg or two, and I needed to have that, because actually, my husband is amazing.
Relationships don't always look like Hollywood, do they? You don't get a finished version of somebody coming in and rescuing you from your life and taking you on this whirlwind fairy tale. We get real people going through real things and we need to make a decision to partner with them and to do the journey with them and to be alongside them. And I believe, believe another key part of honoring and loving each other is being obedient. It's that ouch word that we don't always like, do we? I don't know about you, but I like being obedient in the big things. When I get an opportunity to teach, yes, please, I'll do that. It's big, it's seen. I'm comfortable with that. I believe God's got me ready to do that. But do you know, over the last few months, I've not been obedient in everything. There's been times I've been just pottering around in my kitchen, cleaning up after my children, doing the dishes, putting things in the bin, and I could hear the Holy Spirit saying, that should go in the recycling bin. <laughs> now, the way our house is set up, our bin's in the kitchen, and the recycling bin is two rooms away in the utility. I was like, okay, let's put it in the bin. And this became like a frequent thing. I would be putting, <laughs> I'm just confessing my sin here this morning. I would be putting the plastic trays and the different things that I know should go in the recycling bin. I put them in the, in the rubbish bin in the kitchen and I could hear the Holy Spirit. That should be in the recycling bin. <laughs> so I awakened to this thing of, wow, this is actually a lesson in obedience. This is in the things that are unseen. Nobody's going to know if I put stuff in the recycling bin or in the kitchen bin, but God knows. And he's telling me, uh, I can see you go and help look after my planet and put the right stuff in the recycling bin. And I'm just like, no. Until I realize this, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I'm not looking after your planet. Of course I will walk two rooms away and put stuff in the recycling bin. So now I have actually over-recycled to the point where two weeks ago they wouldn't take our recycling bin. And they put a label on it saying, sorry, there's so many things in your bin that are not on our list, we won't take it, so we're not emptying your recycling bin this week. <laughs> but it's like that, isn't it? We need to be obedient in the things that are seen and in the things that are unseen. Because God sees us all the time. And our heart is open to him all the time. And I know if God can trust me with recycling... He can trust me with people, which is actually what matters. People matter. People are the great treasure that we need to be helping people in. You know, we've got our young people at the moment out on a treasure hunt. They're looking for the right things, aren't they? That's where the treasure is. It's in being obedient. So just a good challenge for us this morning. If you get a little nudge or if the Holy Spirit is whispering things to you, in the unseen or in the seen place, can I just give you some advice? Just do what God says. It's so simple, yet it's so profound. Just do what God says. His plan is bigger. His strategy is greater. What he's trying to get done in and through us is much bigger than we will ever know. Because I believe that we have the opportunity to bring a generational imprint into our nation 
There is something that we can carry which is much bigger than us just carrying it in the natural, in the here and now. We are actually doing something which is going to make a way for generations to come. Just like Judah and Tamar did. They did something and actually it made the way for Jesus Christ. We need to be people who want to make a way for Jesus Christ to come. And we have the opportunity to do that by serving each other, by loving each other, by being obedient, by honoring each other. And you know what? Honoring comes with a beautiful promise attached to it. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. This is just one example. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord is giving you. A long life, that it may go well with you. If I have the choice, it can be really hard, or it can go well with you. I want it to go well with me, please. So we can choose to honor. We can choose to put other people first. We can choose to prefer each other over ourselves. We can choose to get rid of our pride and get rid of our disobedience. And we can choose to honor and love. And it attracts blessing and favor. Do you know we have incredible people in our church? And I'm, and I'm a naturally positive speaking person. But I am not saying this lightly. We have incredible people in our church. Incredible people who will support and get around us at times when we need it and will champion us and celebrate it. The things that we go through, the things that we need, people will be with us. We have incredible people. I've got people of all ages. I'm so blessed to have people speaking into my life and encouraging me. And I'm really grateful for them. Some people are in their 60s and 70s. And do you know what? My two-year-old daughter, an unlikely-looking prophetic voice in my life, but she is one, we literally cannot overlook anybody. Twice this week, I've turned around to my two-year-old Lily when we were toilet training. <laughs> because God can talk anytime, can't he? Anywhere. You don't have to be in church to hear God or talk to him. You can hear him anywhere. So I said to Lily when we were in the bathroom, hey, Lily, what's God saying? Without a hesitation or a delay, she said, I love you. Isn't that beautiful? Is it true? Yeah. A couple of days later, I said, Lily, what's God saying? Jesus can help. <laughs> Truth from a two-year-old. I tell you what, we have got incredible people. Doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. You have got a part to play in this church and you can bring God's truth, you can bring revelation, you can bring encouragement to somebody else because it's you, because of the way you hear God, you have got something to bring to edify and build up the body. I've got a short video clip just for us to have a look at. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Do you eat burnt toast for somebody? Yeah. Yuck. <laughs> Relationship is what it's all about. The way we love and interact and encourage. 
and help each other, playing our part, our little part of the full body makes all the difference. To build long-lasting relationships, to help this whole body function as one, means that we need to play our part, needs us to realize I matter. I've got something to do, I've got something to say. I wonder if we can action this just to finish off this morning. Remember the sound of heaven that we sat under at the start and we received for us? Isn't that amazing that that's heaven's perspective on us? But you know what, it's not just for us. It's actually for everybody. And if we get the revelation and we've received that, we own it. So we actually get to cheer and champion and encourage other people. So I'm going to put the music on again in a moment. And I just want you to ask God, is there someone in here this morning that I can just go and, yeah, come on, go, 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 cheer on. Is there someone here today who needs something from you that actually I can just deliver through my lips or my hug or my smile or my high five? So we're just going to take a moment to just sit and ask God. I'm going to put my heaven's perspective glasses on or silly hat and just say, God, who can I go and encourage now? And then please feel free to just get up and encourage them.